0: So glad you joined us today for the Wonder and Welcome podcast. We have an extra special episode and something a little bit out of the ordinary. Recently, our family of churches hosted a leadership event, and one of the seminars was a parenting seminar with my parents and uh, another couple, dear friends of ours, uh, Kurt and Brenda McCutcheon.
1: Yeah, and that worked out super conveniently because we had thought about guests that we wanted to have on our podcast for episodes, and those were the two couples that we had immediately thought of. So just the fact that they were hosting a seminar and we were able to get the audio from it uh, teed it up for us to introduce these couples to you.
0: Yep. So uh, for this episode today, we're going to share with you the audio from that parenting seminar.
1: Well, this seminar was specifically geared to parents who are also leaders in their context. It is so full of really solid wisdom and encouragement for all of us. So, as you listen, just pull out the things that apply to you in the context that God has you uh, and the encouragements that He might have.
0: And we're really excited because uh, follow up episodes, the next couple episodes, uh, we're going to have my parents on as guests and also Kurt and Brenda to talk more about um, their parenting advice experience to learn and be inspired from them.
1: Yeah, they had more material than they were even able to cover in this seminar. So we said, we have a way to share that with others. Will you be our guests on future episodes? And they have graciously agreed.
0: So without further ado, here is the parenting seminar from the Confluence Leaders Conference 2023.
2: Let's be honest. How many of you have come just to heckle?
3: I,
4: could, I had that feeling. Yeah. My daughter,
2: especially, is loaded for bear. We, we are from Gen O, gen, generation old. Because we have paper handouts. for old school. Old, old school. Old school. If you want one, you can grab one back there. I also have a free gift for you. It's um, uh, Paul Tripp, just a clip from his book, Parenting. Just a great little encouragement for you. you can take it home and read it or read it while you drive on the way home. <laughs> it's really encouraging. A um, couple things before we get started. If you're not a parent, you're still um, valuable to be here because I think a lot of what we're talking about is basically parenting mentoring, discipling others. A lot of transitions into those, yeah. that area. You can father and grandfather uh, the next set of leaders we're doing. So definitely applicable if you're single or don't have kids. You do have spiritual kids, hopefully already or soon uh, in your life. Um, we're going to have a Q&A, which I'm terrified about. Um, but we will have a short, we'll have two minutes of that. And... Um, be ready with your question. Um, One of you, and
4: uh, yeah, we've already got him picked out, so we already know. Um,
2: So um, just to start with real quick, um, thanks to Alec, by the way, for running the uh, PowerPoint and uh, stealing his computer for this use. First of all, if you are a parent, um, just want you to know that you cannot do your job. No one is able to parent. I mean, we walked out of with our first child out of the hospital. We're thinking, what did they do to give us? We don't have any idea what we're doing, and it proved true the next thirty years (laughs) that we didn't know what we were doing. But um, the good news is, God knows that, and He's called each of us a parent. We're broken people helping broken people. And uh, just a quick start would just say that um, when your kids get born, uh, you're now parenting a sinner. Lost, a lost person. They're born in sin. And that's a, we just talked about this the other day. It's like you, you're parenting for a certain level until they become uh, a believer and a follower. Then you parent in a different mode of relationship in some way. It's interesting to think about that. Uh, a couple of things I want to start with, um, uh, just to get us started. Um, by the way, um, no no parent is qualified, so I can definitely tell you that the four of us will share a lot of mistakes. Nothing else will tell you what not to do today, and you can find out the right things down the road. Um, put the first... Uh, I want to kind of focus... Oh, yeah, I need to introduce ourselves. Um, I'm Kurt. This is Brenda. We have four kids. Um, this first picture on the left was taken 20 years ago. This was taken about a year ago. You see the progression of maturity. How that's going? So you may want to ignore this side of the room with your questions, um, and we're gonna let you do the other.
3: Oh, oh yeah, there we go. That's uh, early on there on the left when we were probably here at Jubilee back in 96. And then this is our family this December. Uh, Two boys, two wonderful daughter-in-laws, and eight great, not great-grandkids, eight grandkids who are great. (laughs) They are great. And we absolutely love them. So, yeah, so it's a lot of fun. There is maturity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, It goes the right direction. Yeah, we didn't go backwards like you guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one. there. So I want to think, or just encourage um, us about parenting with kingdom in mind uh, and and gospel, being on mission together as a family. It's kind of the theme. Um, a couple of, um, one issue that we face, and you guys might want to chime in on this too, is there's one wrong view of parenting, um, there's several wrong views apparently, but one I want to mention is um, particularly for ministers and people that are actively in the church uh, family versus church, or family versus ministry, or family versus work and career, which is a ministry out in, the, in, the, in your community. And it's like we've got to, if the wrong view is that they compete against each other, and we've got to protect the family from the church or from uh, being out in the world working and producing important things. Um, the other side is like, um, hey, ministry is everything. Let's, I mean, Jesus said to leave father and mother, and I've got a bigger call here than my family. That's, that's a wrong. They're not competing. it They're all under the umbrella of the kingdom of God. Everything is about investing in the kingdom of God. God gave us a, both our vital roles, ministry and church life and calling, and that, that's, that's important. That's what we're supposed to be doing. This, that's got requirements and godly calling It requires all of our lives. Parenting, guess what? It requires all of us, all the time. So guess what? There's a tension there we live with as parents if you're going to live fully in the kingdom and live for Christ. And you're going to be uh, sacrificing, and you're going to be investing in different zones, everywhere, but it's all got to be felt like this is part of what God has me to do today or this season or whatever. And just got to make sure you cover those bases with the Spirit leading you and helping you stay healthy.
3: Yeah. The temptation is to compartmentalize your life. You have family here, church here, work here, leisure over here. And when you do that, you're going to run into issues. We ran into issues uh, early on in our marriage. I was all about, you know, wanting to start a church, completely focused on ministry and was the first eight years of our marriage was the proverbial husband without a clue. And Gail was lonely because I was pursuing this thing, and she was trying to be the good Christian wife, and uh, she played that role pretty good for the first eight years, and so she's been making up for lost time since then. But <clears throat> so we moved all over the country numerous times, and so the way these conversations would go would be uh, I'd pray about it, i say, hey, I really feel like God's got this for us, and then, um, I mean, you can talk a little bit about this, sweetie, but uh, I know in her mind she'd think, well, Rick feels this way, and so if that's what God wants, so yeah, let's, let's do this. And so she would sign off on it, but only to find out years later that that wasn't what she wanted to do at all. And it was like, well, I thought you agreed to it. Well, you were so convinced it was right. We really didn't make the decision together. And it was like, well, I thought we did. And so it's just because I had this ministry box over here that I was, it was empty and I was looking to fill my life with this. And whereas it didn't. And so don't, I, I just encourage you, don't compartmentalize your life. Like Kurt was saying, kingdom is, what we're seeking to do is raise kingdom kids, not church kids. <laughs> kingdom kids so kingdom is everything you know scripture talks about leaven a little bit of leaven leaven is the whole loaf he's talking about the kingdom there I remember years ago we heard we used to listen to focus on the family to get our counsel, which is great back you know then I don't even know if they're still going I'm sure they probably still are there was a guy on there I forgot his name he's a pastor named Tim and he said some lady asked him one time said he had boys which you know we've got two boys he said what do you do with your boys that are spiritual he said I wrestle with them and she goes, well, I know that, but no, like devotions or something like that. He goes, no, 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 I wrestle with them. And I thought, I got that part down, you know? Because so that's, and so the things that may not look spiritual, because we're chasing, and, you, and let's face it, you come to a conference like this, and what do you hear? It's kind of like what Chris was saying this morning. The message is you're say, we're saying this, but what you're hearing is this, church, 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 church kingdom kingdom and for us for me I wish I would have got this message a lot sooner is that the greatest kingdom ministry that I have and that you have as a parent starts in your family because if you don't get that right you can export all you want to everybody else but listen it's not it's it's gonna it's a house of cards it's a house of cards and it'll come back on you you know, later on. So I just encourage you don't compartmentalize your life. Um, go ahead.
5: Yeah, I just wanted to chime in. One of the things we've talked about is that church is family. So for me, I got really kind of confused. If church is family, then there's no lines um, with my biological family and my spiritual family. So if I set boundaries, I'd feel guilty. If I didn't still, set boundaries, I felt angry and resentful. So I was a great pastor's wife. (laughs) (laughs) So learning to set healthy boundaries that the Spirit gives you, because sometimes it does kind of blur, and sometimes you are required to do things that everything in your flesh says no to. (laughs) Um, So really being able to, I mean, we say this, That our kids are part of the kingdom, but I don't think I really like. My kingdom work is when I went and met with women, but when I'm, you know, changing diapers and dreaming of taking a shower, (laughs) 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 that didn't feel like kingdom work. But when God speaks it, you know, He says that is kingdom work, like what Rick was saying you know, you're changing the diaper and wrestling is is kingdom work, because these kids are important to him.
2: Um, the other thing I just want to kind of highlight, another view that Paul Tripp points out in his book, actually, is um, some parents take the view of my kids, uh, I have ownership of my kids. I mean, they belong to, God gave them to me, I need to take care of them, and that means I've got a get a plan, a strategy. Here's the goal, and by the time they leave my home, they should be having these, these five things, whatever success looks like in your, in your zone. And that leads to a lot of, um, about you and your reputation and about your ideals, and uh, your identity can even be caught up in as, a, as a mother or a, or, a, or a father. Like, my kids are my thing, and I've got, got no other space. This is my zone. Uh, And it becomes all about the identity. Well, actually, the the right kingdom view of living as a parent is being an ambassador. I remember uh, Terry Virgo did a teaching uh, early on in my parenting life. I was so glad I heard early on was, um, I think it's from Psalm 127. Uh, Children are like uh, arrows in the hands of a warrior. Blessed is a man whose quiver is full of them. And uh, he taught about Arrows aren't meant to live in quivers the rest of their career. You take time to shape an arrow. You you cut things off. You pull it off the tree, and you shave it off, things that are in the way. And you add things to it that need to go to fly true and accurate. And you've got to have a target to go to. But it's part of a process. But your kids don't belong to you. They belong to God, and it's time to send them out. I had that mentality. These kids are here for about 18 years hands-on, and they're out the door. Uh, on just other things. And so I think it's that mentality. You're not gonna have, you, you have a short season to disciple and invest in them and you'll be a parent the rest of your life. Yeah. You don't stop being a parent. Yeah. But just know that they're they're meant to be sent, not to be kept and, and nearby. Yeah.
3: And there's some obvious things when it comes to parenting like number one, there needs to be a congruency in your life between what you're saying and how you're living. Because kids they can pick up on hypocrisy from a mile away. They know, they know whether you know what you're what you're saying. You're actually living it yourself. So whatever, and, and I don't. We never did think through. Okay, what do we want our kids to be like? I mean, we prayed specifically for them, and we felt like God gave us specific things to pray for them. But if you think through, okay, what what do we what's the end product look like? And we had a we knew a guy. He told us he said, "Look, you really don't know what your kids are going to be like till they're thirty years old, because you know the, the 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 laws of reaping and harvesting. You know you can you can sow, but you know it's the the harvest doesn't come till later, and so." Yeah, and that's good news and bad news so if you if your child right now is going through a hard time they're 16 17 have courage yeah. okay yeah. because it, you still, there's still plenty of hope but but just make sure that your lives are you're, you're congruent in terms of what you're saying and and and, and you're modeling something because kids are going to watch it. The the things that you don't think they're watching, they're watching. Because you you know how it is, you'll be at the dinner table, and all of a sudden they'll they'll say something that you said two days ago. It's like where did they pick that up? Yeah, who did that? Oh, that must have been Gail. They heard that from. It wasn't me. You know? So, um, but yeah. Let me talk real quick. Okay. Yeah, you can do that. Just real quick. We're gonna we're gonna have a
2: general outline you see in your handout. There three directions of parenting that we want to yep. invest in as parents, and what we're talking to start about now is this first one with up. In other words, we're looking for our kids to have an upward connection with Jesus Christ and having a relationship, a spiritual life uh, from from the time that they're able to receive him. So from the day we were, our kids were born, I started praying for salvation for my kids, before they were born actually, always praying that they would one day come to know have a personal relationship. And I think that's the starting place for all parenting. So we're talking about now how to do that.
3: Yeah. One of the things we, with this seminar on the horizon, we had a uh, video chat with our with Seth and Zach last week, and we'd never sat down with them before and said, "Hey, what was it like to be raised by us?"
6: Yeah, early on, no, I I did would ask him, "Okay, did I do anything to offend you? Could you just talk to me and I'll apologize and get it right?" But the other thing didn't.
3: Gail's biggest fear was our kids are going to need therapy later on in life. And my mom did this, and so so anyway, we sat down with them last week said, look, what was it like? And and they brought up stuff that we had completely forgot about. I, I don't even remember doing it. So like our youngest son, Zach said, he said, I remember when you would correct us, you'd always say, look, we want your best. I like think <laughs> Did we say that? I don't remember saying that. <laughs> so he said, but he goes, oh, I hated it when you said that to us because I just hated it. And he said, when I got to high school, I started thinking though, I think mom and dad really do want my best, so why wouldn't I obey them? And he's like, it's just the grace of God. So the things that you don't think are coming through, listen, they're watching you, and you're modeling something. So we would, we'd we practice repentance, you know, towards our boys. Do um, you want to share a little?
6: I didn't have a Christian family I grew up with, uh, you know, not Christian parents. And Rick's family was pretty bad too (laughs) so really the only thing my mom's (laughs) listening to this so really what i wanted is my really my heart was if god could just move my kids towards him through my generation my grandkids farther and then keep going. That was really my heart. My parents did not ever, if they did something wrong, they never apologized. They never said, hey, I did this wrong, or things like that. But we would have our boys do that. And my sister, my twin sister, I have a twin, and she came to me and she said, that really you know affected me when you made your boys apologize when they didn't do something right and so that's always been something i wanted my boys to learn is to apologize when they did wrong but it was like god was just gracious because i didn't grow with that grow up with that and then he just put it on our hearts and then we have it a little bit more, and my grandkids will learn a little bit more about God, my great-grandkids. so in the line will go towards him. Yeah, so, yeah.
3: And what was interesting in that phone call last week, Zach was saying how when he, uh, if he loses it with his kids, he said, I'll apologize to him. He said, do you know how humiliating it is then to ask your 6-year-old to pray for you? And I thought, well done, Zach. And I thought... I you know, was a, didn't learn that from me. You know, I but but I know Seth and and we were talking, he said, you know, what it what, what what impressed you guys and one of the things they brought up and once again these are things you don't know, but your kids they, they picked this stuff up. He said, Dad, you and mom were so humble with us. You never seem you never acted like you had it right. You were always, you know, you were always open. We knew you would always get help when you needed help. You'd ask for help, you'd ask for input, but you never treated us you know, in a way that, but you were just humble with us, and I thought, dang, I don't remember that. So, <laughs> so that was good. But we, but we would do things. I'll end with this thing. Go to these guys um we'd include as they got older we'd include them in decisions so <clears throat> i remember when seth i was saying that when he got to be about a junior or senior in high school something changed in our relationship i don't know those of you who have kids who are at that age or older but it just the, the i was still his dad and i still felt like his dad but there was more of a peer level thing it just was really cool yeah. I just remember having that conversation with the guy says, something's changing my relationship with Seth and I like it. I like it a lot. But then uh, so Zachary, when he was his senior year, he came to us. He said, hey, I, I think I'm supposed to move to Atlanta to be a part of the church plant down there. And I'm I'm going like this. But on the inside, I said, there is no way I'm letting you move to Atlanta, Georgia. On your own. And we're good friends with Carl and Virginia. Carl and Virginia, if it weren't for them, our marriage, we'd be miserably married right now. So we owe a lot to to their input. But I thought, there's no way I'm letting this kid go down there. And so I said, here's how we're going to do this. You pray about it. We'll pray about it. And we'll make this decision together. And he and the video chase says, I could tell you really weren't for that, Dad. <laughs> so I thought, oh, must have came through. So that was like in November of his senior year. February, I'm spending some time alone with the Lord, and I'm reading in Exodus. And God's given Moses instructions on what to say to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, God's going to refer to Israel as his son. And I'm reading this, and it says, Let my son go that he may worship me. And it just stopped me just like that. Oh, my God, he's going. He's going. I thought, Lord, what are you doing? And uh, so we got him. I shared it with Gail. And Gail was, she was, you know, she was. she was, she, She was okay with that was shocked she was okay with it that way and man but I tell you what when we left him in Atlanta and and he lived with Carl in Virginia for a while in that drive I cried like a baby on the way home I just cried like a baby but you know you just so when they get as they get older you can include them in on those decisions you help them trust God hey we're going to pray about this one of the things Seth said you always were telling us hey you pray about it We'll pray, but you know, you pray about it, you seek God. One time, I thought, I'll stop here. We were having what we call a high-volume discussion one time. And I remember he, Seth, bless his heart, he was so mad, I don't know what I had done. I said, listen, here's the deal. In God's infinite wisdom, he decided to give us to you as his parents, so you work this out with him. That's all I got. So that's you and God got to figure that out, so...
5: Yeah, we we ask our kids too, but there's too many curse words we couldn't repeat. (laughs) So, that's not true. (laughs) Um, But I did have a conversation with two very wise women um, in the church. And one of the things that they said is that the best parenting advice that they got was that they needed to know their own hearts. And I think that's the thing that I would want you guys to know that you need to be fathered while you're mothering and fathering. Because all of us, like, I know, we came in with lots of wounds, lies that I believed, idols that I was holding on to. Like I tell you, the idol of comfort does not like parenting. (laughs) So, it's that choice to let the Father love us and love us well. Because it is true, Like we love out of being loved. We love because he first loved us. But how well are we letting the Father love us? Um, and what does that even look like? So I just really would want to encourage, like, sometimes we think, one of the things I hear the most is, like, I'm so afraid I'm going to mess up my kids. <laughs> I'm like, yes, you are. <laughs> 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 but I was having a conversation with David Harrington, and he goes, so what you're saying is my kids will never not need Jesus. And I thought, oh, that's a great way to put that. Like, your kids will always need Jesus because you are their parents. <laughs>
2: I would say this. You need, um, if you're married, hopefully, and your mother, if you have a team, it's important to parent as a team. Uh, one day we were at a new couple at church. We are going to take them out to lunch. Um, our sons were old enough to drive home by themselves in our car. And we're just pulling up to the restaurant. Great opportunity. Excited about meeting with them. We got a phone call saying, Dad, I just had a wreck. And um, so we had to leave. So I'm sorry, we can't do lunch. We've got to go home and take care of this. And Brenda talked to me all the way to the uh, wreck to calm me down and say, Hey, you need, to, you need to love them and just be gracious. And and it was very helpful because they already felt bad. I mean, Wester's in the car. Yeah. And
5: uh, a nice car.
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
4: yeah. It was Ben. It was Ben. It was not it.
2: it was our car. It was our unpaid for car. Um, but she talked me through it and arrived. I just wanted to be helpful. And, and it was already an emotional problem for them. And the guy was yelling at him and stuff like that. And uh, there's Trooper was very nice to my boys and taking care of them, and just good to have help each other out. Hey, you need to step up, and or you need to calm down. You need to do. We need we work together as, as parents. The other thing, real quick, is to um, honor marriage, honor your marriage, prioritize your marriage as you're parenting, because kids can take over your world and your and your life and your heart, uh, and so you need to be dating and relating and romancing, uh, and because kids need that security. Mom and Dad are t- for each other, and they're going to be safe. They're going to be here for me 10, 20 years down the road. So value your marriage. One more quick thing would be um, bring others into your, your parenting. And by that, I mean, um, we are always engaged in church life and community. I mean, it does take a village. It does take God's people, the church to build us and, and invest in our kids. and I want that. However, as a parent, you realize God is only called. Uh, two people to be responsible spiritually before him for raising up kids and that's parents you are the one in charge not not the christian school not the school you go to not your church not your youth group leaders you're in charge of making sure their lives are growing and knowing christ and living well but you have people around you that can help and be a team but you need to be the one it's god's going to talk to you about uh, your accountability before him. So I would honor that as well.
3: Let me just add, um, one of the things that came out in our video chat last week was... That we grew up in the generations, you don't fight in front of your kids, so uh, the boys don't ever remember us fighting. I don't know how we got by with that because we fought a lot. But anyway, <laughs> so so uh, Zach brought up. Well, he said, "You know what would have been helpful?" And you know how it is when you're when you're angry with each other, everybody feels the tension. So it's like you're just you're faking it, to, you know, to act like everything's okay. So he said, "What would have been helpful would be just for you know to say, hey." look, here's what's going on. They don't need all the details, but we're working through this, and here's how we're working through that. He said, that would have really been nice to, to hear that. So don't just kind of, you know, just oh, don't ever argue in front of the kids. I mean, obviously, there's there's some boundaries there, but...
6: Yeah. um Also, I, I had two boys, so and I'm with the kids all day, so in my mind, I know what the boys need, okay, mm-hmm. because I'm there all the time. Well... I don't remember if Linda talked to me or Rick, but he saw things that my boys needed that I didn't because I'm a mom. And they needed things from him. So that's why work together. Don't just think that because you're with the kids all day that you're the expert on them. They they use both of us. God used
5: both of us. And that's definitely something that was... Kurt and I really had to wrestle through. uh, Because I am... I like being the good guy. (laughs) I want him to be the bad guy. (laughs) But I didn't let him... Like, I would feel some things were harsh. They were too harsh. But they were actually what my boys needed. Um, And my girls. But particularly my my boys. Because you can try to protect your kids so much that you actually encourage a spirit of fear. Um, and that that is not something any of us want Um, so being able to allow your husband to do something that makes you go like this (laughs) it's really uncomfortable and I do want to uh, agree with them that was one of the things our kids said too like you didn't fight in front of us so we didn't think conflict was okay so when you go into life thinking conflict is not okay then that's a dangerous place for your kids to be um, and hard for them to stand up you know for themselves um, and one other thing that Wesley told us that was really helpful like we were, we were not in touch with our emotions <laughs> um, and he's, he told us uh, that when we would punish them like when there something was going on usually because they were driving us crazy because they were arguing <laughs> uh, we would like send them to the room to think about it <laughs> and then when they thought about it and calm down come back out and the the thing he said it goes like we would come back out but like it never was resolved really so I felt like I was on my own trying to figure out like how do I deal with these emotions and oh, so are they bad or like so being able to really like Take it through the whole thing. Like we 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 aborted too early on on conversations with our kids as far as one not letting them see us resolve conflict, um, but then also not letting them walk through their emotions to uh, a resolution in that.
2: Just a quick thing on emotions as well. We were in a family uh, therapy thing at one season of our life for some things, and um, we realized the counselor kind of led us into realizing that. Uh, being mad was against the rules of our house. We never said that, but the way we treated it was, you get angry, you need to shut it down, go deal with it, and come back, because we don't, we don't tolerate too much strong emotion. And so we had to learn how to, And also, some of my anger issues uh, in particular season was the question, so what's behind your anger? I go, I'm just mad, and I'm, I'm right. So they should be doing what I'm telling them to do. Um, but... Uh, the revelation was I was living in fear. I couldn't fix my kids. So I was mad about it. I couldn't guys would have fixed stuff in the season when Lissa was going through some hard times. I was terrified. And my anger was a way of handling that. Just do what do what you need to do. Cause I'm scared for you. But owning the fear is like, okay, now I realize it's my issue I need to work on, not not hers, so. The second, thing we're going to, the second area we're going to go into, the second direction, which is what most parents think about, is uh, moving in on the family, uh, engaging with your kids, having a relationship with your kids, and how to do that. So there's lots of things we could talk about. And then we'll have a quick Q&A in just a minute. So you want to go ahead and kick off? Sure.
3: We, um, I don't know. Somewhere early on in our marriage, I think we'd heard uh, Josh McDowell say this. We read it in a book where he said, uh, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. So we had decided early on. Look, if we're I shouldn't say if when we er we're going to err on the side of relationship. And so Gail and I are different personalities. She was more uh, of the disciplinarian, I would say, wouldn't rule, rule, rule keeping Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> keep the rules and stuff. And so, but we we would just purposely just say, look, we're. We're going to err on the side of grace. We're going to err on the side of relationships. So that was our focus um, throughout when the boys were going to... Because our goal was like, look, we're not going to get this right. We're going to screw it up probably more than we get it right. But when these boys grow up and leave the house, we want to have a good relationship with them. And I'm so grateful we do because, I mean, I hear stories about parents, and and it's, you know, God's the God who redeems relationships. It's never over. It's never, ever over with God. Who was saying uh, some this morning or yesterday, you know, but God. But God. You're always hanging on to that. But, uh, you know, I'm just so grateful. I, I know I talk to the boys often. Uh, every week I hear from Seth a couple, two or three times a week. Zach will call um, poor Gail. Since they're boys, they don't always call their mom, you know, but, mm-hmm. but they'll, they'll do that every once in a while. They'll call Gail and just talk to her. But, uh, but I'm so grateful for the relationship. So just so keep that as your focus. The other thing, the, the McCutcheons here are speaking to this a little bit more. I never voiced it this way, but, but we, I think they had this understanding. Raise your kids as exiles in this land, There needs to be a sense, especially when you get into middle school, junior, or in high school, there's a sense that you don't belong. You don't fit. And kids will feel that way. Well, we believe this, and nobody else really believes it, and we can't do this, and we can't. You know what? There's a reason for that, because you don't belong here. And if somehow you can help them understand that scripturally, like some of the things Bo was talking about this morning... If they, you can help them understand, they'll, that'll help them understand, oh, this is why I don't fit. This is why we don't watch these movies. This is why we don't maybe listen to this music. It's not because we're weird or because we got mom and dad have all these rules. The Bible says this isn't our home. They're, and so raise your kids, help them understand that they, along with you, are exiles in this land. This isn't their home. And so it's a, it's a hard concept as they grow up, but... But that's something I think is is really helpful.
5: Yeah, I. That is, really, really important to know for us, not just for our kids. This is not our home. We we can't live for the the things that satisfy here. It's so easy to do, though. Um, but I was reading a book called Sustainable Power by Simon Hawley, and he this is for kids, but. Also, any discipleship. It says, as we exhort and encourage one another, we must appeal to identity, not law. Why? If you appeal to law, you help to develop a legalist. If you appeal to identity, you help to develop a child of God. So, when I think about like some of the things that you guys are facing, challenges that we didn't face, but what I want to, uh, what I want to have my kids understand it and we didn't do this well so <laughs> do it well for us <laughs> is really tell them who their father is let them know what it's like to experience being loved by Jesus let them let you, you experience it so that you can impart to them what it means to actually be the beloved son and daughter of the creator of the universe how empowering is that yeah but also if they know that they know that they are loved by god then when you say well you can't have a cell phone until you're 16 and everybody in their world has a cell phone or if you you say you can't you can't go to that that meeting or that that party or you know whatever then it becomes more like my goal would be and my thought would be and I'm not sure how this works out in practice, but (laughs) that they would feel so loved that it would be not punishment, but protection. Like they would really, maybe not in the moment, but they would really know, I am so loved, and in that love, I'm being protected from the enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy our kids. So identity, I mean, I struggle with identity, like, I think that's something we all do, but if we could start early with our kids speaking into them who they are in Jesus, what, what that means to have a relationship with him in that they belong, they're accepted, they're loved, they're known, they're seen, their voice matters, that's a, that's, that's a strengthening value that will carry them through when they have to not be of this world but live in it.
2: I just want to talk about a couple things we did as kind of regular habitual patterns of family life, um, because I really, I think particularly for anybody uh dad or a mom who's got a, a career, part-time or full-time, coming home tired, coming home with energy, you've got other things to do, you're in ministry and if you're a pastor or a leader, it's like you've got, you come home and you got work doesn't go away, it's always around available to to take you to other places, and you need to be intentional with being with your kids, being present, and showing up uh, emotionally and mentally and spiritually to be with them 100%. I was sometimes with them, but not with them, yeah. if you know what I mean. Most yeah. most men are equipped to do that very well. <laughs> but a couple things we did was we tried to have dinner together every night, no matter what, even through teenage years. Everybody's busy, but we're going to connect around the dinner table every night. We're going to have meals together, and we're going to do things like we always played the high-low game. What was your high? What was your low? It's t- and that way you can kind of listen to where- and you catch on stuff like, what's what was rough today? And sometimes it's nothing. What was what are you celebrating? It's just a way of getting getting in their world and asking them about how things are going. Another one is, I love Christmas uh, season because we started doing a tradition where on um, Christmas morning we'd get up, they'd um, get the uh, stockings done, and then we'd go eat breakfast and we come back and then and it's Dad's time to. Preach the gospel for two hours. No, no. <laughs> Tell the Christmas story or have some scripture to talk about, and then let's go around and share about how, you, how you're doing. And um, as, that, as that's happened, um, when they were this tall, it was like, Dad, get out of the way. The presents are right there. Let's get this <laughs> over with. Now it's, we do that continually. We did this, this year, in their 20s and 30s, and we spend about two and a half hours. How was your year this year? How can we pray for you next year? Because I look forward to that moment of, let's check in with each other, and, and the siblings are now walking together and talking to each other throughout the year, praying together for things that we're looking forward to. We have those moments, traditions, where we're with each other and engaged in asking each other how we can pray for each other, and obviously another thing most of you guys probably do as well is one-on-one time, whether they're little or tiny or big, hey, Dad's going to take you out to McDonald's tomorrow morning, or you got your... Uh, mom, mom, take, mom, date. We're going to go out and have some moments together. And it's like those quality. I'm here for you, I'm going to listen to you and get
3: your world. Tell me what's going on. That's a big deal. So, yeah. um, something that may be helpful that Carl shared with us: when you're in full time ministry, um, you're especially if you're an elder, you're on call twenty four seven. You, you just, you just are, and. The phone will ring and somebody will say, hey, it's an emergency. We need to get together immediately tonight. And Carl said to us, he said, he, 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 the way he handles these things or the way he stand them was, he said, let me ask you a question. He so said, how long have you been dealing with this issue? Oh, golly, six months to a year maybe? Doesn't sound like you got into this situation overnight. I don't think you're going to get out of it overnight. Let's meet in a couple days. And so that really helped us. The other thing was that um, we—I was horrible at date night. I didn't do a very good job. But as we got older, um, and even when the boys moved away, listen, I know some people suffer from empty nest syndrome. Not me. When the boys moved away, it was great. And Gail said, "Don't tell them that." I said, "Listen, they—they know it. Yeah, they know." it's been so nice but even now since we're by ourselves you know you get you know people say hey could you do this on this night and it's like well you're just by yourself you should have plenty of time you know so it's like no I calendar certain nights with her and we may not be going out probably aren't we're just being at home we may be watching a TV show we may be reading a book together whatever it is but that's our night so I can say no my calendar is full I don't have to explain it's with my wife you know and all this guys he's just my calendar's full we can't do it and so that was a real help uh, to us as well we're going to. Oh, I want to say one last thing about bedtime. Bedtime was, uh, even when our boys through their senior year, we'd put them to bed. And it sounds weird, doesn't it? Now it's like, golly. And Gil was really better at this because I'd be tired at night. When I get tired, I get grouchy. And so when the older they get, the later bedtime is like, dang, I'm ready to go to sleep. She goes, come on, we've got to put the boys to bed. It's like, put the boys to bed. You know, they're seniors in high school. What's the deal? <laughs> So we go down there and, we, you know, you pray for him, you kiss him goodnight. And every once in a while, the boys, one of the boys would say to me, Hey, Dad, could you stick around and just talk just for a little bit? Oh, it was the best. I'd crawl in bed with them. They'd tell me something. One time, Zach did that with Gail, and I'm going to let Gail tell this story.
6: Well, I was excited, because usually they didn't do that. But he had hid a plastic mouse under the pillow. And he just wanted to scare me, so. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Your
4: reward will be great.
5: <laughs> um, another another thing that was a surprise to me um, when I think about things that we did with our kids, we went through a love and respect course for our marriage. And I felt like when we got back, that God said, you know, your boys are men too. They're, they're male and they need respect. So I was like, what does that look like? I, I barely know what it looks like with him. <laughs> <laughs> You, please pray for us <laughs> um, but it's so it was just interesting to see like God was like, "How do you speak to them? Do you honor what they say do you um do you like my thing with the mom is like, I'm asking 20 questions because I want to know what your day was like. And, and I think Ben or Wesley goes, well, why don't you put a spotlight up and just interrogate me? <laughs> I'm like, okay, I need to back off a little bit. Um, but doing things side by side, just like Kurt likes me to do side by side stuff with him. I needed to do that with the boys. Like with Wesley, he taught me how to play Halo. <laughs> Yes. Did I finally you to win? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> He finally had me like he's slowly walking back and forth it goes, shoot me mom. Shoot me.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah, I was in a corner. <laughs> but anyway, just really thinking about how do you respect your kids as well as love them yeah. was important.
2: One more quick thing, then we're going to have some questions. Uh, that you can ask some questions. Um, teenage years. A lot of parents fear or a- have anxiety about the teenage years. And I love Paul Tripp's book. Uh, he's got a book on parents I'm going to recommend at the end, but it's called Age of Opportunity, which I was looking forward to. The older the kids got, the more I was excited about the adult adult conversations. I loved getting to ask them questions and them pushing back or dialoguing with us and getting to know their thoughts and feelings as eventually maturing adults. Like The older they got, the more interested and more engaged I was. I mean, I I like changing diapers, but that's not much meaning there. I didn't? Okay. Honesty check. So anyway, I always want to encourage you, make the most of opportunities. Whenever the kids show up, whether it's 5 or 15, they want to talk, you jump in and give it the space. As long as your kids are talking to you during the teenage years, as long as they're coming to you, you're winning. It's one long conversation in parenting. It's not, you're going to have one breakthrough, and you're going to, oh, I, gave, I fixed. It's an ongoing conversation with the same issues coming up in different seasons. Just know you're not going to cover everything in one conversation, but keep on investing and dropping in life and kingdom and grace. They need grace and love. So let's, answer, let's ask some questions. I'm going to give uh, Mike the microphone, and if you have a question about parenting at all, let's know. Is-
4: Great. Uh, Totally appreciate you guys, and I'm so glad that you're in St. Louis so I can keep asking you questions. But this is my question. Um, I think that my wife and I have been fairly intentional about knowledge, right? teaching the kids about what the Bible says about God. I'm struggling to give them experiences uh, or help them foster an experience of God. Uh, I asked my kids this question this week to sort of say, like, you know, in the middle of after our devotional, like, have you ever felt God's presence? Or have you, if you pray to God, do you believe he's there? How can you, how can we help foster our kids into the experience of God so that it's not just a mental exercise?
3: Um, I'd say first of all, and you're probably doing this, but, um, and I didn't realize it did. the girls said you would always at the dinner table or share what you got out of scripture with the boys. So they knew it was real for you. So I would tell them about my encounters with God when, when I'd hear the spirit speak to me, or when I hear him say how much he loves me or, so I'd, or whatever it was, I'd share that at the table. So they began, cause it's like, well, what does that even look like? They don't have a bearing to know what that even is. So, Hey, you know, so when you talk about encounters with God, you gotta, you, you have to Pull back the curtain a little bit and let them do it. I think the other thing is um, the boys, we, back in the day, Jubilee had prayer meetings every Wednesday night. They, they went to prayer meetings with us. Now They weren't always in the prayer meeting, but once they got to be high school age, most of the time they were. And so they, every once in a while, they would get prayed over. Or someone might prophesy over them, or they would get to pray for other people. So, I'd say as they get older, you just you you include them more in those type of things. So, I,
5: I think the one of the things that I've just recently kind of I'm not sure I always really when some if someone had asked me like what does love feel like to you, that's a hard question. Um, so, if you can like just talk to your kids about like what what was the time that you really felt loved, like what what does love feel like to you so th- that they can give like examples of like Dad when you played a game with me or like that made me feel warm and made me feel safe um, and then be able to kind of because they need they're black and white they need, they need something that they can kind of Feel and see a little bit in the natural to help bring them into the spiritual a little bit. So if you can like have them just tell like how they feel or at times where they have felt loved, and then be able to say and that and that's that's the way the Father loves you too. That's the way the Holy Spirit you know loves you as well. So giving them something like they've already experienced and helping them understand what that feels like in their body and what make what it makes them think about then that that's an experience maybe they can get a hold of and then you just can pray with them that the, they experience that with their heavenly father as well if that makes sense
2: Yeah I think the knowledge thing I think the first through age nine at least, just the scriptures and stories, just telling them the stories. They have that foundation that God's going to draw from eventually in their own speaking of the Spirit. But they're very concrete. I mean, child development, whatever is age appropriate, let them know they experience God. And I also read stories about biographies and missionaries and, and your own stories. And also we had people come into our house, guests that were from other churches, people from other uh, nations showing up, and kids would sit on the table and they'd hear us talk. They'd see Life lived out with other people's other stories. Like, tell me about your story. How did you come to know Christ? What was it like when you were a kid? Yeah. Trying to connect them with uh, what we're doing together on a mission. Uh, they were part of it. And they, they had to clean the house. Oh, who's coming over? We got a group tonight? Yep, we're cleaning for the group tonight. Because they know that that's a one yeah, time a week clean. we clean. <laughs> they're experiencing that God's showing up sometimes. Whether they know it or not, they're going to see it's modeled. And you can eventually, they're going to get it eventually. So.
0: Another question? Keep them close, please.
4: (laughs) Hi. Okay, so my question, I think it's about parenting kids who are different to you. So, my oldest is my mini. So uh, I know I, cannot, I know how he thinks. I know how he's going to react to things. So um, we butt heads a lot because I come up against the less perfect parts of myself and him. <laughs> um, but my second, he feels things really deeply. And he always wants to be seen as doing the right thing. So it's hard to so go when he makes a mistake. Um... I don't know, I'm not like that. So if someone says to me, oh, this is wrong, I'll react in one of two ways. I'm like, no, you're wrong, I didn't make a mistake. (laughs) Or I'm like, okay, fine, I made a mistake, how do I do it better for next time? But for him, when you say, you did this wrong, he feels like I'm wrong. And so I struggle, like he's 11 now, so it's been small things, but I see, I I see it into being bigger issues and bigger things where I see like hey you're on the wrong path in this or the choice you made here wasn't the right one how do I speak that to him without him just like do you have any advice without him just disappearing into himself because I see it sometimes as I'm saying something it's like his shriveling and I'm like okay that's not what I want I'm not trying to shame you you're going to make mistakes I'm here to help you but yeah What's the no, way That's a good that?
3: question. I'd say a couple things. Number one, uh, our battle is not against flesh and blood. So when those kind of conversations take place, you pray. I mean, you really, really pray, and I'm sure you already are. Um, I would ask God for specific verses to pray for the boys. Uh, I wore Psalm 1 out over this kid over here. <laughs> and he is a living testimony of what Psalm 1 is. I I mean, I saw it right before my eyes. Philippians 1, 9 through 11, I wore that thing out over Zach. And so I just pray and pray and pray. The other thing was, uh, our two boys different personalities. Zachary had my personality, but it was difficult for me to relate to him because he would get easily offended. And I'm not in touch with my emotions, which Seth has been accused of that uh, a bit. <laughs> so Seth and I could actually relate easier. So if I offended him, I just go to him, hey, I'm sorry, I apologize, I shouldn't have done it. It's good, Dad. With Zach, it wasn't that way. I needed her to help me. And she really, really helped me. she say, look, the reason Zachary's not responding to you, because Zachary would be disrespectful. And that would, my emotions would go up to a 10 real quick when that happened. And i deal with that. And she said, no, 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 there's something behind wow. yeah. that. You've offended him. And I thought, dang, I got another woman in the family. It's like, <laughs> golly, you know. It's like, I don't need that. <laughs> but... She really, really helped me know how to relate to Zach. So I don't, I don't know if that answers your question. But listen, just pray. Ask God for something specific to pray for them, and God will, He'll speak to you. And you just, you just wear those things out, and you trust Him.
5: Yeah, those kids that draw into themselves are, and you can't seem to reach them, are really scary. Um, but usually, like, even the way you said it, it. They turn it into an identity thing and um, they interpret, it. kids interpret things that you, in ways that you wouldn't expect them to. Like, they will interpret a correction as, You don't love me. And that's not all what, what you intend. So, some of the things that are helpful is really knowing their love language so that you can speak love to them and re- reaffirm that this is separate from who you are and be able to kind of like just even be able to verbalize that for them even if you say does that make it you feel like i don't love you anymore or you feel unloved and it might be something different but if you're able to verbalize that for them and then be able to to speak to them in the way that... Because you can tell them you love them all day long, but if it's not in the language they understand or receive, then it just kind of bounces off. Um, So really kind of knowing their love language is really helpful. But also, what Rick said is so true. Like, we are a people of the spirit. We need to take advantage of that guy. <laughs> he knows our kids' hearts. <laughs> he knows things that we don't know. There was a situation with Wesley once in, high sc- in middle school where he, his behaviors were, like terrible (laughs) he was just angry and i was responding to him out of like i need to discipline this anger out of him but i felt the holy spirit say it's he's hurt that's why he's angry and he and i didn't know that he'd been kind of bullied in middle school so he was responding to that, and the only way his middle school body knew how to, and it was anger. So if, if the Holy Spirit hadn't have said, stop, <laughs> you, need to, you need to love on him, not discipline him. But it's such a you don't know <laughs> you don't know which time it is so really like we talk a lot about like wanting to develop hearing the voice of the Lord for having words for other people or in the church but having words of encouragement words of knowledge words of wisdom for your kids is invaluable so any way that you can encourage and stir that gift up in yourself and um, to be able to really let the Holy Spirit parent with you
2: they're kids are human, actually. If you don't realize it, and God's always after what He's after the heart. I always want to check, fix the behavior, but God's after the heart. So you need to. Each child is different, and you got to read and know what know how they connect. So, real quick, I was going to finish up here. We about done, but um, a couple of things real quick on discipline and training. Discipline is is um, involves three different things: love. Um, this is out of kind of predictable patterns, habits we put together. Like love is like celebrating birthdays and affirming them and doing things they like to do and and investing in vocal affirmation, those kind of things. Keep that as a regular diet. It's also expressed, love is also expressed, like Hebrew says, uh, in discipline and training. That's not just bad behavior we're going to fix. It's like um, patterns, like let me check my notes here real quick so I can get the right things here. Um, Talking about attitudes and values, we want doing positive things. We're, we're about this. We want to, honesty was a big deal for us. Respect and honor was important. Those are those are training things and not negative. There, this is what we're going for. Um, just the meals and the, the meals demonstrate. Hey, we we are we value community. We value relationship. We value you. Those are part of the disciplines that we put in regular habits. And of course, we want freedom. You want people to kids that use their gifts and go out and explore and adventure and risk and fail and celebrating and encouraging that. That's part of a healthy healthy habit. And one more the next thing real quick, you've got this on your handout, but you can just take a look at it. Uh, training your kids how to live life fully. It's not about punishment, it's about discipline. Totally different approach, totally different attitude. You can look through those and learn uh, about those if you want. Um, and the last thing I want to do as close here is some recommendations. These are Curt recommendations, not Confluence approved. It's just uh, things I found helpful. Um, a couple of Paul Tripp books. One, The Age of Opportunity, is a teenage one. The parenting one is one that he wrote after that. Uh, Go into some principles of attitudes for parents to adopt and bigger picture things that are very important. And the other was Family on Mission by the Brains that we had the in, out, and up. That came from that model and about how to be on a mission together with your family. And basically about discipleship, too, in the church. So those are things they want to do. And then, Rick, I mean, you want to say something?
3: Yeah, Seth and Shannon have just launched a parenting podcast. And so I'm going to put a plug in for my son and my daughter-in-law. It just went live yesterday. So they're going to post probably at least once a month, maybe twice a month. The name of it is called Wonder and Welcome. Wonder and Welcome. And i got to listen to the first episode, the first post, and it was really good. I think it'll be a real help. So feel free to download that podcast, but that'll be a good resource for you. So.
2: Sorry, I had a question time. I have a lot more questions, but we're out of time. Um, no, no, we happy to talk later. Um, we're going to pray for you real quick to dismiss you. We want to pray for you as parents, as disciples and mentors. Um, and let's, um, did you want to okay, leave up? I want
3: to say one, one thing. I know there's some singles who are here. And I know um, it's the statistically people later in life are having kids. Some of people aren't having kids at all because they're scared to death. And I just want to say to those of you who are single, maybe you're married and you're not, you're, you're wondering, oh, I don't know if we want to have kids. This is scary. This is scary. This is scary. Yes, it's scary. But listen, just... If don't let that be a reason. Don't let the culture and where we're headed, where culture, be a reason whether or not you're going to have kids. Yeah. Don't don't do that. Listen. We, we, no, none of us knew what we were doing when we got married. <laughs> so why is having kids any you know less of a surprise? You if you surround yourself with with a community, you know who's who's looking for God, seeking God, and you're open and you and you're, you'll receive help. Have those babies. Listen, God will be with you. He'll help you. He'll help you. He really will. So I just want to encourage you.
2: Children are a gift and a blessing from the Lord. Yeah. Love them. Love the great. And um, let's just stand. Would you all stand? Let's let's uh, receive prayer. God, just want to pour out your uh, spirit on, on these parents. Yeah.
5: I felt that there were some of you guys that have not had a blessing from your mothers and your fathers. So we want to pray a blessing over you. God, we bless these men and women. We ask that you would pour out your spirit on them, Father. God, I pray that they would know that they're loved, that they are seen and known, that they are a blessing and a, a gift to their kids, to their church, and to their community. So Father, I just I just do pray that you would pour out a blessing of peace, comfort to their heart, hope, God that they would know that they they belong to a good father who who speaks only love, grace, compassion and mercy over them.
2: Lord, we just thank you for today. Thank you for you've been speaking into our lives. We pray for this next, for our kids and the next generation that, uh, as Third John says, uh, our greatest love, our greatest joy is that our kids love you and are following and walking in the truth. We're walking. We pray that for this next, every child represented in these families, that they would know you, they would love you, they'd find joy and life in you and purpose in you, and they'd be uh, powerful worshipers and influencers in their generation thank you for this generation. Give us wisdom on how to bless and train them, not just our own biological or adopted kids, but uh, our, our discipling in our churches would go rich and well. We invest in others around us. In Jesus' name, amen.